Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the star line by a gold-selling artist. Five number one, 16 top 10 singles, and so many awards. He's on tour and still asking, why, lady, why? We welcome country star Gary Morris. Thank you. I'm finally someplace where I hope we have cell connection. <laughs> Gary, let's go beyond the mic. You've had an incredible life, singing in nightclubs, writing jingles, writing hits. Why does music touch your soul? Uh, you know, I was born to do this, and I didn't know that. I started singing when I did my first solo in a Southern Baptist church at age five. I really thought that I probably would go into ministry of music. I was grown up, you know, church was a regular part of my life and then I went off to school and even at school I went to junior college to play football but had a little trio started singing and music for me has always been a way to express I guess the emotion inside me that I'm not really very good at verbalizing but there's something about being able to sing things for me that delivers a more powerful message than just talking and it's always been that way you've won cmas acms and so many awards for your music but now that she is gone what are your favorite memories of your command performance before the late queen elizabeth ii well uh, you know what i don't think i've ever told this story uh, uh, on the air but I, I got the call from Austin about coming down and singing for the queen. And I told him, yes, I would. I'd, I'd be honored to do that. going to be in about two weeks. And, and the next day I got a call from the white house saying they wanted me to come sing for the queen. And I had to, I told him, I, I think I said it like this. I said, I've already committed to singing for her in Texas. And I really think someone else should have that honor at the White House, and I would have loved to have gone and sung both places and probably could have squeezed and not told anybody <laughs> and done that. But So I went down there and sang. It was a, a luncheon. I sang, and I got a standing ovation, but anybody would have, you know, singing for the Queen. The, the whole room stood up. and So I went back to my table, and I sat down, and I, all of a sudden this woman was tapping me on the shoulder and in my very poor British female accent, I will say, she said, the queen wishes to speak to you. I, I didn't understand her. I, I said, what, what the queen wishes to speak to you? I said, okay. So I got up and I walked around and she took me over to the queen's table and the, the queen was off on stage left. So she wasn't out front and uh, where she would have, seen me I guess clearly and I got over to the table and they all stood up at the table and the queen said I just wanted to put a face with that beautiful voice at that time I put my arm around her oh no you didn't which you're not supposed to touch the queen I said I know you're headed to Kentucky and you love horses and I'd love to meet you out there <laughs> and talk horses and she she said something like, well, that would be nice, but that was it. That was the end of the thing. And I just realized that I broke all the rules. 
you get to shake hands with the queen in as in the line as you go in. I think there's been a, a photo of that posted of me greeting her, but being called over to her table and speaking to her, she was just, she's a little bitty thing, you know. She was just so warm. It was a really cool experience. That's so amazing. You believe in helping veterans. I do. When was the moment you felt you were called to help, and how has this philanthropy changed you? Well, let me even back up before that, Sean. You know, I was in the very first lottery, and I got number 12, which means I was going to Nam. And I was playing music in Colorado. You have to go take a physical, you know, and they tell you, they say, you know, if you pass physical, you're getting on a bus, you are you know, don't plan on going home. And I went and got to the very end and the master sergeant was about to stamp papers to put me on the bus. He says, uh, okay, you need to see a doctor for the next four weeks. I said, well, what are you talking about? And he says, well, you have high blood pressure. And I went, okay. So really at that particular moment, I decided that I had to do things to help those who actually were going to serve. And I did, before I ever made records, I did some USO tours. I did, I asked, volunteered to go do USO tours. And then, then I worked for an organization. I did three golf tournaments year after year. It was a Gary Moore celebrity golf tournament for CAPS. That's a an organization that helps the families that have lost someone, a veteran, and they have camps and things. And so through most of my adult life in making music, I've done things for veterans. And then, then of course, now I'm on the board of a nonprofit that takes our wounded warriors when they come back and we put them in the river and fly fish with them. And it's usually a three or four day trip. And we float rivers and get out, and it's a really, really a healing experience. And as I'm sure any of those people listening that know me at all know, I'm I'm really an outdoor guy. I'm not an indoor guy. I'm an avid hunter and fisherman, and been fly fishing for since I was 20. So that's at least six or seven years. And uh, <laughs> I make it that 52 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm committed to helping those who put it on the line. You know, if I were president or if I were uh, an important political figure, I'd be all for the draft. I'm one of those guys that says if uh, every congressman and every senator in the, in the state senates and in the U.S. Senate and Congress had somebody at risk— a family member that was going in or knew at age 18, you signed up. I think there would be a lot of change in the way America's looking right now. So, but I'm not, and it, it's not. And, uh, but I'm committed. I do a Christmas show every year. That's a benefit for the charity and whoever I'm called, I go, I hear there's something going on for Christmas this year. Yeah, I'll be doing a Christmas tour this year. That's the one thing 
since I started making records in 1980 or 81, whatever it was, that I've done a Christmas tour pretty much every year. I love the music of Christmas, and uh, people are particularly happy around that time of the year, and it's uh, really fun. I really love doing it. How did your album Sense of Pride change the way that you look at the world and yourself? The song or the whole record? The whole album. You don't know, first of all, as an artist, I didn't go to Nashville to be a star. And that's what, you know, that started happening in about 1990 that, uh, you know, when they're now, they, they decided they were going to do new country and record labels started expanding and adding labels for new country. And if you had a belt buckle on a hat, you could, you could come sing. I went there because I'm a songwriter and I'm a singer and, you know, I, I really didn't know how the music business worked, although I'd, I'd done music professionally my whole life, but not been on the national scale. It's funny to have played internationally, but for USO and for the military with the Air Force, it's all, all kinds of different things. And then, of course, playing at the White House, I, I, I played at the White House and was on the road with Jimmy Carter when he was running his first time. And you know, I was election night at the Omni and in an inaugural ball, and I wasn't making records. I was a kid sitting on a stool in Euless, Texas, playing at a Holiday Inn when that all began. Wow! So, sense of pride in that particular record is is close to what I would have been doing, most probably given my own free reign from the beginning. And I think it's probably the most personal record the, because the uh, actual title cut, Sense of Pride, uh, I wrote it. and It's pretty much my mom and dad's story. But the rest of the song, there's only one song on the album I didn't write. It's just, uh, it's how I hear music. And, and if I could have made a record like that, the closest I came to it was doing an all-acoustic album called Plain Brown Rapper. And that that particular record, I think I wrote everything but one on it. And it was all acoustic, and that was right in the middle of, you know, steel guitars and electric guitar solos and all that stuff. So Sense of Pride is basically an acoustic record, you know. One cut on it, Paint Me a River, I believe it is. I had a fiddle player come in. I said, can you double that, triple that, and just play and before it's over, it sounds like you have, there's a full orchestra, but it's one fiddle player that was just magnificent. But earthy music is really more what I'm about rather than headed for a heartache. I love Kevin Welch wrote Velvet Chains. And Velvet Chains, when he came out, he came out to my house and we'd co-written. And, but Velvet Chains that he wrote and played me went like this. Velvet me. I said, I think I can do something with that. We made the kind of record then that I thought would work on radio, and it certainly did. It was a big radio hit, and along with Headed for Heartache and Don't Look Back, those up-temple shuffles, I love them, but I don't do them anymore. Why don't you sing it anymore? Well, I don't, I'm not carrying a band. I come out alone. 
and and I'll still do velvet chains. I'll split the audience down the middle and say, okay, well, it's going to be a sing along because I need all your parts, and we'll and I play with it. But Headed for a Heartache was a big radio record, but Headed for a Heartache doesn't sound really good unless you have that dot dot well you can't do that on an acoustic guitar and play chords and so some of the stuff that i mainly the up-tempo stuff i i probably could sing i'll never stop loving you i can play enough chords to do it live but you know there's a lot of my music is is more acoustic sounding to begin with i can sing wind and the love she found in me and the plain brown rapper and leave me lonely and i mean those are songs uh plain brown rapper and leave me lonely uh, that, that i wrote so i i wrote them on an acoustic guitar so so i still can hit the past but i'm i'm still actually writing and you know i still make new music so it's not mainstream you got to come out to hear it. Country artist Gary Morris joins us beyond the mic, and it's time for the Rocky Nade. Gary, it's just eight random questions. Answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. There is no pressure. Okay. Where's your favorite place in Nashville? Uh, William, Williamson County Medical Center. The hospital? Why? <laughs> I just had surgery there. I happen to love those people, especially the people in intensive care. So, I mean, they got the best intensive care nurses on the planet. What's your favorite leftover? Uh, chicken. Fried chicken. You grew up in North Richland Hills. Where's your favorite place? <laughs> Grandma's Chicken Shack. What's the best Broadway show you've ever seen but not performed in? Uh, I've only seen one that I wasn't performing in, and I didn't like it. So, <laughs> <laughs> None of the above. The Phantom of the Opera. You didn't like Phantom? No, well, no, because I'd already done Les Mis, and when you've done something that's is that's is challenging, and you know, I I wasn't looking at it like, is it a great show? I was looking at it like, do I want to do that role? It wasn't a lateral move, in my opinion, and uh, so I didn't really enjoy. It. No, that's not not true. I did see another one, Into the Woods, and they wanted me to do something there, and I went to sleep at intermission, so. I didn't like it either. Fisherman? Well, we tell fish tales. What's the biggest catch you've had fly fishing? I caught a 120-pound blue shark with with Steve Abel, the guy who makes Abel Reels off the coast of uh, California. That's the biggest fish. Now, I caught a 65-pound tarpon on a fly rod in the Florida Keys. And, but for a trout, the biggest one I've ever caught is right at 30 inches. And that was in Russia, in Kamchatka, in the States, which is fair, 28 inch rainbow, uh, right out of Crested Butte. What's that moment you cherished most with your kids? You know, as a group, I couldn't tell you. I could tell something. Could tell you something about each one, and and all of them had to do with something outdoors. I've just been going through some photos, and I have a picture of my youngest son uh, when he was he couldn't have been more than three, and I I had a little tiny fly rod made for him, and and he actually caught uh, probably a twenty four inch 
rainbow trout, and I have a picture of him. I'm helping him hold it up. And with my oldest son, so I'll just him sitting on a bank with me fishing in a pond. So most of those special moments have to do with something outdoors. And not, and not collectively, but singularly along the way. Which artist do you miss the most? Mm, George. Because he was real. I, mean, I miss Merle, too. But, I mean, you know, I got to sing with him. We sang Amazing Grace together on the same. I did a show. Appropriately, I opened for him. I, I mean, he was the real deal. I met him. Before I ever made records, I met him in Texas and got to go on his bus, and that was when the George and Tammy days. And there's really not anybody out there, nor will there ever be like him. I miss Merle, too, and I, I was embarrassed because Merle opened for me in Canada. And I, I said, this is not right, but at that time, I had like four number ones in a row, and Merle was too country for country radio like George was was at the end. None of that worked for me, but that's the way it was. Yes or no, do you believe artists should censor their work so they don't offend anyone? No. If you're enjoying these conversations, please check out another Beyond the Mic episode to find more actors, artists, and people you need to know. We'd also appreciate a like and subscribe on the Good Pods app. It's time for the back half with country artist Gary Morris, out on tour, coming to a city near you, beyond the mic. Gary, what's your favorite memory of Crystal Gale? Throwing a match at her in the studio. Oh, I've got to hear this story. <laughs> well, we were singing. We, they, we had a foam half, uh, you know, two-foot-thick foam pad kind of thing that stood between us, and we both were singing at the same time on the duet, on a couple of the duets. And she'd always be pulling her hair back, you know. So we were one of the one of the songs we were singing. I I had a little book of matches, and just as she stepped up at the mic, I struck a match and tossed it on the other side of the of the little foam thing. And of course, she jumped, and she was afraid her hair would catch on fire. So that's a memory that I have. And 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 the other one was, of course, the photo shoot for the album cover, which people asked me, I said, well, you know, she was naked and they airbrushed my clothes off. <laughs> but uh, she's a great, great girl. We, we had we had some good times. We had fun. Gary, has Nashville changed for the better or for the worse in the last 20 years? For the worse. Why? Nashville was a great, great town. Now it's just an awful city. Congested. Music Row is gone. There's there's no sense of pride in, in country music there. It's all about money. Not that it wasn't before, but at least the illusion of artistry was there when I first moved in. Uh, songwriters could make a living writing songs. Nobody even wants a song from a songwriter now. It, it's all programmed, and the programmers are now the writers. And if you listen to a lot of the I'm, I shouldn't say all, but a huge percentage of it's all program stuff. So people don't even really know what a real guitar or a real piano sounds like anymore. They know what something programmed is. And uh, so I'm a dinosaur. I like actually musicians and songwriters and a place to go play. How many songs have you written that no one has seen or heard? 
well, most of them on all my albums, no one's seen or heard. <laughs> I don't know. There's, I probably have, uh, I probably have, I don't know, three or four hundred that nobody's seen or heard. When people come see you play a show, what should they expect from a Gary Morris show? A little bit of everything. And they should, should expect to laugh more than they think they're going to. Because I have a good time when I come play. The only boundaries is keep everything in good taste. But I have fun with the audience. So, uh, And they should expect to hear things that they aren't aware of. I have a, an album that of songs that were recorded in Russia when I, I did a, a benefit concert over there. Unless you saw it, we filmed it. It was on TNN or somewhere. There's a DVD of it. But unless you saw that or bought the DVD, there are two or three songs on there that I think probably would be hits if we'd have got them to radio that actually would work with the format. But they'll hear album cuts and they uh, will be asked to tell me what their favorite song is. And if I can do it, I do it. Acting, singing, charity work, a life filled giving your talents. Do you have any regrets? Hmm. If I knew then what I know now, maybe. <laughs> uh, I I really don't, man. I've, I've said it a million times. What, what, what would you do over? And, you know, I made some big mistakes, but everything that I did right plus everything that I did wrong brought me to where I am right now. And there's a song on, on Sense of Pride that's called Brought Me to You. And it's about all those things. Everything brought me to where I am, and I'm really happy where I am. It's like, so I wouldn't change something. I'd just uh, be in a different place. I'm an archivist of memories and stories. What's one story that you haven't told before that eh, you might want people to to know? Not that we could put on the air. (laughs) Is there some shenanigans and hijinks here? (laughs) We, We can't talk about, but... And I, I can't even tell you because it, it would be recorded and uh, and then it might show up somewhere. Where's the statue of limitations not up? I don't, I don't, have, my life is probably closer to an open book than most people in the industry. I'm not been one that, you know, hides behind anything. Because what I do is I sing. They don't manufacture it. They don't tune it. I go sing, and uh, that was a gift. One thing people don't know is if they're not working for you, they're working against you in the music business. If they're in the music business, and that's that was something that was hard, hard to learn. And the, when I first did Lobo M, which I didn't even want to do, so now suddenly I'm an opera singer. I'm probably I've had no music lessons i've had no guitar lessons i've had no vocal lessons and and yes i did two operas la boheme and les mis and i didn't want to do the first one but my record label said the opportunity to do something with linda ronstadt we can really capitalize on it i said okay basically i would go do it the second one was in 87 when country music was moving more to randy travis who's on Warner Brothers and John Anderson, my friend, and Ricky Skaggs, and I thought, 
well, I'll just take a little break and go do something different for six months and got the lead role in the number one show on Broadway and then came back and now I was not one of them. So that was a lesson learned. And I went from, as as I'm sure you're aware, if you're an archivist, I went from, I think, 20 top tens and four or five number ones in a row to zero ever getting played new songs ever getting played on the radio. That was a revelation. And I went, okay, that's how it is. That's the, that's the way it works. And I took 20 years off, said, I'm not going to go sing. And then I decided time to come back. So I'm back out, have been for the last four or five years, pretty much playing across the country. Loving it. It's time for one big question with country star, Gary Morris, beyond the mic. Gary, after many years of learning, singing, loving, what's your message for the world? Mm. Love. <laughs> love is all there is. It's a Beatles song, I think. Uh, love. In this, this day and time, right now in America, it's more important to love your neighbor, no matter what ethnicity, what religion. It's more important to join together and understand that it's the human race it's not just the white race it's not just the jewish or the spanish or the italian it is the human race and that that's my message and i shout it loud and clear when i come down to texas not everybody wants to hear it but we're we're all different but we're all connected as human beings and i think that's really important right now when was the day you felt all your dreams come true? Mm. Well, they, they haven't all come true yet. <laughs> Still, I, well, I'm, I'm going to have it tonight, and I don't know. Uh, so, Gary, what's your it, next dream? You know, I've never really looked at it. I never really thought about that. I, I, I guess maybe, and this might sound weird, I guess I'm a doer, not a dreamer. It's like... Um, I've always just, well, there's a song, if my dreams all come true, I'll be dancing with you, dancing the night away on on my very first record, I think. And I wrote it, I wrote it for John Anderson. I didn't write it because that's what I believed. I wrote it because it was a waltz that I thought he would could really sing the hell out of it. My dreams are like bigger than just for me. They're, they're for humanity. My dreams are a world not at rest, but at peace. And all it takes is leaving this great country and going somewhere where the world is not at peace, where you don't have the benefits that we have as a country. And I've been all over. I've been in Eastern Bloc countries, and I've been in Russia several times, and uh, Estonia and Czechoslovakia and Hungary, and then I did USO tours all over, and it's not the same. It's just different. If I could have one dream, it would be that we fulfill our potential and that we respect the lives of those people that have died so that we may have a democracy and not an authoritarian rule. 
that we appreciate the freedom that we have. That would be my dream. Where can people find you online? GaryMorris.com. Gary Morris is a doer, not a dreamer, almost a minister of music. Its Vietnam draft number was 12 and once broke all the rules with Queen Elizabeth II. Coming to a city near you, we thank the talented Gary Morris for taking the time to talk with us today. Oh, it's nice to know somebody that knows something about my career. And that, my friends, I appreciate it. is Beyond the Mic. Beyond the Mic.